This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 104. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstadt, Jr. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you about the process of going from a book idea from just that light bulb in your head to a actual book in hand. So if you've ever been curious or or wanted to know more about the details of publishing independently, this is exactly how Thomas did it. So, but before we do that, Jim, I have to congratulate you. You have won yet another award for your writing. This is the, what is it, Carol Award for Speculative Fiction, is that right? Yeah. <clears throat> yes, it's uh, for the ACFW Book of the Year in the speculative category. So the long journey to Jake Palmer uh, ended up being a winner. <laughs> Very good. Well, congratulations. And uh, Thank you. not that surprise, you seem to to win award after award. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm happy for you. So anyway, to the independent that. Uh, publishing process, we have here basically different phases of if you want to take your idea and make it into a book and then what is broken down in those phases. And some of these elements, we've done whole episodes on that specific element. And we'll have links to those uh, in the show notes. So if you go to novelmarketing.com forward slash 104, 104, it'll take you to the show notes for this episode. So, step- But we think this is going to be really helpful to you guys because a lot of people are now indie publishing and a lot of people are getting bad advice or they don't have all the details to it. So we're actually real excited to help you through the process. If you've thought about it or if you've even considered it, I think these episodes will put you on the right track. And for you uh, traditionally published authors, this is also helpful for a couple of reasons. One, it will help you know somewhat of the process that your publisher is going through, but also it's good to know if you ever decide to go hybrid down the road, which is what so many authors are doing. They're now, that are traditionally published, they're adding independently published books to the mix, uh, which is really helping them make more money. So without further... And that's that's actually, and, and well, we're going to do, can we do a little bit more ado? Just sure. real quickly. Thomas. A little more ado. And that is... <laughs> A little more ado. Uh, so that's actually where I'm at right now. I am going to jump into the the indie publishing. So I'm going to be what? a hybrid author. But you're our, you're our old yes. tradition. That's your role in this show. <laughs> the traditional publishing advocate. <laughs> I have resisted. I have resisted for years. But now I am turning to the dark side or the light side, depending on how you look at it. We have more cake. Independent publishers, we have all the cake. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so Jim okay so so be going through this process yeah, his books i am well so he's uh, going to be joining our ranks uh, but yeah let's talk about step zero so this is a four-step pr- uh, process but the step zero the reason why we have this as step zero is that it's somewhat optional in the sense that some of you have already done this step just by nature of who you are and that is funding the book So the biggest challenge with independent publishing is that you have to pay for it. That's the biggest difference between traditional publishing. Traditional publishing, they pay all of the money. You just get checks. And with traditional publishing, you pay money. So if you're writing checks, sorry, with independent publishing, you pay the money. So if you're writing checks, you're not traditionally published. That's how it works. Um, And it takes money to be successful. In fact, a lot of the successful independent authors are already successful somewhere else, which gave them the money to then be able to afford uh, the professionals and the training and the time away from work uh, to write their book. Not exclusively, but a lot. Yeah. 
And and this and, and we're going to talk more about this, but it is so tempting from what I've seen, and I've consulted with a lot of authors who are indie publishing, the temptation is to spend money before you have enough money to spend. And what I mean by that is you have to spend a little bit of money to make it work. And I've seen authors skimp and skimp and skip again on book design and on uh, cover. By book design, I mean internal layout and cover design and editing, and they end up with an inferior product. So Thomas, talk to us a little bit about saving money and, and building up to the point that you actually are ready to do it. Right. So the easiest way is to either already have a good job or to have a rich spouse. But let's assume that you don't have that and you don't have money saved up. Ooh, I like that option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you want to save between $1,500 and $10,000, depending on some of the choices you're going to make down these steps. But let's say that that seems very daunting for you. There is another path, and we've done a whole episode on this, and it's called crowdfunding. And I've helped many authors crowdfund their books. I put a whole course together on how to do it, but we have a free episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast. And effectively how crowdfunding works is that you get your fans, your readers, your friends, and your family to pre-order copies of the book to give you the money that you need to make that book happen. I successfully crowdfunded my book. Thomas, let me Thomas, let me let me interrupt you right there cuz you're a guy they go, "Yeah, you Tom Thomas Humstead, you you're connected, you're wired, you can get people to fund your book." But what about the person saying, "Wow, I I just feel uncomfortable asking family and friends to fund my book." Talk to that just emotional roadblock for a second. So, we uh, we have a step-by-step process on how to do Kickstarter, how to do Indiegogo. Uh, and we talk about it in the episode, but you'd be surprised how much easier it is when you have a Kickstarter page because you're not asking people to give you money. You're asking people to buy your book, and to, but also to help make the book a reality. And those combination of motivations where they're not giving you something for nothing, they're getting your book as a reward really motivates family. <laughs> I've seen it time and time again. They want to give. Uh, family wants to give. Friends want to give. And you're not asking for a lot either. You know, you're asking for $20, you know, for the paperback. Maybe you're asking for $10 for the ebook. And um, maybe you have some pro levels that are, you know, $30 or $40 for a signed copy. And uh, you post it on social media, you share it, and you'd be surprised uh, how easy it is to raise a few thousand dollars on crowdfunding to help make your book possible. The episode on how to do crowdfunding is episode 49. Uh, so novelmarketing.com slash 49. I talk about how I've crowdfunded several books and uh, how you can do the same. So if you don't have money, I strongly recommend websites like Kickstarter and learning how to do that because there's a, we don't have time in this episode. It's like each one of these bullets that we have could be a whole episode, and some of them are. Um, but it, it is a wonderful way of testing your idea, testing your audience, and raising money at the same time. Okay, so we've got step zero. What is uh, step, step Step one, one is actually writing the book. So if you're a novelist, uh, you have to write the whole novel uh, typically before you, you can move forward. Uh, so I just kind of want to walk you through that process. The first step is to write the first draft. And we have an episode on this as well, episode four, how to write your novel in a month. Uh, it's a special episode for novel, uh, NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. We may re-release it ahead of this um, upcoming NaNoWriMo in November. But we bring on Jeff Gerke, who's an expert. He wrote the book for Writer's Digest on how to do this. And um, so the first step is to get your first draft. Then you sleep on it. <laughs> and then you rewrite it. Uh, and uh, that's the next step. These are steps you're probably already familiar with, so we won't go over these too long. The next step after that is to get beta readers 
to read your book. And the, we'll have an episode on this in the future. It's on our list of topics. But beta readers are not editors, and they're not friends and family necessarily. They're people who are fans of the genre. So if you're writing science fiction, you want people who like sci- science fiction to be your beta readers. And uh, and there was an article that just came out on beta readers. I don't know if you saw this, Thomas. I read it yesterday. And it was talking about, no, no beta readers. I'm an artist. I'm the one that decides what it's going to be. No one's going to tell me what to do. And I think that's, uh, I understand that perspective. You can get too many opinions, but I think that's really short-sighted. If you, and again, we'll do a whole episode on beta readers. But beta re- readers, in my opinion, since I've had them for all of my novels, are really a critical process. And like Thomas says, not editors, not agents, but people who read in the genre who's um, tastes you trust. Right. And you need to be confident in your own writing and knowing what good writing looks like so you know how to handle the feedback you get from beta readers. In, in general, you just want them to tell you the problems or where they got lost or where they got confused or really just where they put the book down. So if everyone is taking a break from reading your book on page 72, you need to go look at page 72 and maybe have an alligator fall from the sky or a bomb go off or something to ramp up that attention. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, have yeah. a helicopter explode or have uh, the right. have the so crocodile explode. I, it's your book. You all write different kinds of books and different things will add that tension back in. Uh, so the next step, you get your feedback from your beta readers. You do a, an, another rewrite. So this would be rewrite number three. So what you send, you don't send your rough draft to your beta readers. You send draft two to your beta readers. Then you make draft three. Then you get what's called a substantive edit. And we have a whole episode on how to find a good editor and the different kinds of edits. But then uh, that's episode 71, uh, novelmarketing.com slash 71. Um, so substantive edit, then you work in those edits, and then you have a line edit. Sometimes this is with a different editor. And then a copy edit. Uh, we all, and you'll go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that that uh, again that could potentially be a another editor. A copy editor has a different skill set than a macro or a line editor. Again, things you guys know, but just if if you are doing this for the first time, just know that each editor has a very specific, uh, specialized skill set. And we talk about those different kinds of editors in uh, the episode 71. This is one of the most common mistakes, probably the most common mistake of this whole process. Independent um, published authors don't realize they need multiple editors with different skill sets. So they often only bring in one editor. And that other missing piece was the missing piece that would have caused their book to be successful if they'd have only known to bring in two editors. That's good. Um, Okay, so that's step one, write the book. You've now got an edited copy of your book. It's all shiny and the story works. The substantive edit got the story fixed. The copy edit got the language fixed. All the commas in the right place. Now we're ready for step two. Make the book. So this is where you do, and we're going to have episodes on each one of these soon, but typesetting. Uh, This is when the words are arranged in just the right way on the page for the paper, and then you have to do it again for the ebook. You can't just copy and paste a Word document. It's not going to look professional. In fact, it'll look pretty awful. And there's a special technique and process to this. Uh, You can hire somebody to do it, or you can do it yourself. When we add the episode for that, hopefully I'll remember to go back in here and add a link into our show notes. Uh, The next step is to get a book cover. Uh, you should be hiring a professional for the book cover. 
while you could learn to do typesetting, you can't really learn to do book, uh, book covers. <laughs> That's, doing good book covers takes you know years of training and practice. Uh, so, but if you'd like to, you you could probably learn it if you worked hard at it. You could probably learn it in about would you say twelve to fifteen years, Thomas? I mean, if you're on the yeah. long. Something like that. You know, okay. If you got a design degree in college, that will carve a couple of years off of this. Although even college graduates who've studied for four years are not yet ready to do good book covers because book covers are not just art. They're also design and the fact that they are crafted to accomplish a goal, which is to sell that book. And if somebody doesn't know how, like the psychology of making a good book cover, uh, you're going to lose out on sales. So. Okay. The, the reason why you crowdfund your book and the reason why you save money, it, there's a couple of things you've got to spend money on, and the book cover is at the very top of this list. Uh, the next is back cover copy. So you've got the front of your book is the book cover. It's got your name and the title of your book, maybe a badge or two of some awards you've won or bestseller status or something like that. The back cover copy is where you describe your book, and this is critical. Um, Jim, w- w- tell us more about back cover copy. Well, back cover copy, really what happens, is, and this is in the bookstore, but it also happens online, you'll see the application, is somebody will look at a cover go, oh, that's interesting. They immediately go to the back cover, and they read that little blurb. Or if they're on Amazon or online, they read the back cover, because that's, that's right there in front of you. After they read that, then they go inside the book, and they might skim through a few pages, or they might read the opening line. And that process, this was actually studied a number of years ago, that process, that entire process, from glancing at the cover to looking inside and deciding, is anywhere from 20 to 30 seconds. That's why that back cover copy is so critical. And back cover copy essentially wants to give you enough that you go, oh my gosh, I got to go deeper, but not so much that you feel like you know the entire story. And that's a really fine line, and that is an art. Um, And so we're going to be getting into detail on how to do that. I've been writing copies since 1994 professionally. And so, and I write a lot of back cover copy for, uh, I write my own, of course, for my books, and I write a lot for other authors. And so we're going to talk about the process I go through and how you can write back cover copy that really entices somebody to look peek inside the book or flat out buy the book so um, the final piece of making the book is doing the ebook formatting so when you're done with step two you're going to have a file for your book cover and um, back cover copy so it's going to be one image because they print it all at the same time so it's the front of the book and the back of the book and the spine you're going to have a file for the interior page of your book that you'll upload to your printer and then you'll have several different ebook files for the various ebook stores you plan to get into uh, so now and again ebook formatting ebook formatting um, is something you can learn you can do on your own but it, again you have to ask yourself is that something I want to put my time into because there's a lot of folks out there and and they know the programs where it can be done quick and not that expensively. Thomas, any thoughts on that as you were going through the process for yourself on do I format it myself or do I have somebody else do it? Yeah, I I had somebody else uh, do it. And in fact, we now offer this as a service uh, with Author Media, both the typesetting and ebook 
formatting. Uh, so you can get it done through us, but you can get it done through many different folks. And there are authors who spent the time to figure it out uh, who now offer it as a service to other authors. Uh, so there's a lot of places to go. This is of the things to spend money for. The ebook formatting is one of the less expensive. Uh, you can learn it to, mm-hmm. to do it yourself. Ebooks, to get kind of technical real quick before we move on to step three, are actually in HTML. So they're kind of like web pages. Uh, believe it or not. So if you understand how to code a web page, you understand how to code an ebook. And the applications that you use to make an ebook file are operating in a form of HTML. Yeah, so if if you're somewhat familiar with websites and stuff, figuring out ebook formatting may be easier for you. Um, but it's it's an easy thing to find somebody to do for you. And we'll have a whole episode specifically on ebook formatting if you want to do it yourself. Uh, so just stay tuned to the podcast. We'll have that soon. <laughs> All right, so now we're ready to move on to step three, which is printing the book. So this Ooh. is making the book actually exist in real life. Um, so how book printing works is that there's three pieces of it. Uh, there's printing, which is actually having a machine that creates physical copies of the books. There's distribution, which is getting onto the computers of stores. And on the websites of stores, so that people can order your book, and they their their computer knows where to place the order. And then finally, there's fulfillment. This is taking the book and handing it to the UPS guy with the label in a box. So it's taking the book, putting it in a box, handing it to the UPS guy to deliver it to your house. Um, and those three pieces, sometimes they're all done by the same company. Sometimes you have different companies do each one of those. In general, if you are a first time, if you're going through this for the first time, I recommend that you do print on demand. So there's two ways of printing a book. You can offset print the book and you can go print on demand. The advantage of offset and why it's the siren song for many authors is that it lowers your cost per book. Print on demand is typically $2.5 to $3.5 a copy. With offset, you can pull that price down as low as $0.50 a copy or a dollar a copy. It, depending on how many copies that you're printing. So if you spend $100,000 printing your book, you might be able to get 100,000 copies of your book, which seems like a great idea. But if you only sell 500 copies, you have to pay for warehouses uh, to keep those books, and it, it's a very high risk. Uh, so in general, I, I prefer print-on-demand. Uh, you can always go offset later, but the companies that do print-on-demand also often will handle distribution and fulfillment for you. And what I like, the company that I like, is CreateSpace. They're owned by Amazon, and uh, they are very easy to work with, and they're very honest and transparent about what you get. I would avoid any company owned by Author Solutions. So Ex Libris, Westbo um, Press, I believe, is uh, Author Solutions, and uh, the others. Those are, there's a whole lot of them. They use very aggressive sales techniques, and they sell you things that you don't need and um for very high inflated prices. And I, I just want to camp on that real quickly. And that is um, author solutions it becomes like an imprint and someone reputable publishers will put their name on it and say, this is our, uh, you know, this is our self publishing arm. And essentially what they do is they farm it out to author solutions. There's been lawsuits against author solutions and they'll charge you anywhere. Anybody that's charging you, Hey gosh, we've got, you know, our $10,000 package all the way up to our $20,000 package run. You do not have to spend that kind of money. 
Right. You're better off hiring your own graphic designer to do the cover and your own um, people to do the different pieces of this. I'm not saying not to go with a full-service company, but what I am saying is before you go with a full-service company, find on your own a happy customer of that full-service company. (laughs) So there are full-service companies that do good work. And this rule is is incredibly useful. Just find a happy customer. It, you won't be able to find a happy customer of Author Solutions. People just don't have good experiences with them. But you can of some of their competitors. And there are players out there who, who are doing good work and are being very transparent and honest. The problem is not that they're charging $10,000. There's a way to you know provide value for $10,000. The problem is that they're promising that they're going to do things that they don't end up really doing. Um, and they kind of get... Uh, gullible authors lost in the jargon. Uh, so th- I like CreateSpace. And the other reason why I recommend going with print-on-demand, th- with uh, offset printing, you need a big lump sum of money up front to print all of those books. With print-on-demand, you pay the money as you go, and you can save that lump sum to make the audiobook. Because <laughs> otherwise, a lot of authors don't make the audiobook, and they're leaving a huge market on the table, a market of people like me who primarily only listen to audiobooks. If your book is not an audiobook, I, um, I probably won't read it. I only read about one non-audiobook a year. Uh, whereas I read 100 audiobooks a year. So you have, you're 99% more likely to have me read your book if it's an audiobook. And right now with audiobooks exploding, exploding, not only is the potential money there, but it, it legitimizes you also as somebody that is serious about this. And it gets you into a much, much more exclusive bookstore. So there's 5 million, 6 million books on Amazon. There's only two or 300,000 books on Audible. So you're competing against 90% fewer authors, and you're put into a very exclusive club. Uh, so that's getting. So now you've gotten your book printed. If you went with CreateSpace, it's all already going to be on Amazon's website and on Barnes and Noble's website, and it will be orderable through bookstores. So somebody could go into their Barnes and Noble and order a copy. Um, Barnes and Noble's not going to carry it if you independently publish. Um, you're not going to be on the bookstores. You have to have a sales team to get onto the bookstore shelves, and you don't have that um, as an independently published author, and you can't really afford it. You have to be selling you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of books to be able to have that money left over. But you are going to be able to have a presence online. Hey, and Thomas. Go ahead. Uh, just real quick, going back to audiobooks, for those of you who are new to the uh novel marketing podcast we do have an entire episode if you're saying well great i need to do an audiobook how do i do it we also have an uh, episode on uh, audiobooks so you can go back and listen to that that's right i'm a big fan of audiobooks i just uh, recorded my audiobook finally um so yeah episode 95 uh, is uh, seven reasons why your book should, should be an audiobook and then episode 96 is how to turn your book into an audiobook. So we take you step by step through that process. Uh, all right. So now you have a book in hand. Your ebook is orderable on Amazon. Um, oh, real quick, the, to make, to quote unquote print the ebook, you just sign up for KDP, uh, which is Amazon's like independent ebook publishing arm. Typically for independently published authors, they will make the majority of their money on the ebook. Uh, so now it's a matter of marketing the book. And we're not going to talk too much about this because that's what this whole show is about. <laughs> so uh, just keep listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast on how to market your novel. But if I could point you in one direction of some place to get started, I'd say start with branding. We have a great four-part series on branding here on the Novel Marketing Podcast. And uh, part one of that is episode 41. 
marketing. So if you go to novelmarketing.com slash 41, you'll get on our branding uh, series. It's totally free. It's very, very good. And it will help you uh, create a brand that will help you in the rest of your marketing. The sponsor for this uh, edition of the Novel Marketing Podcast is brought to you by my book, Progress. And rumor is, Thomas, that you know a few things about my book, Progress. True? Yeah, as you're as you're going through this process of making your book, uh, your readers are going to be curious how you're doing. My Book Progress allows you to put a, a progress bar on your website where people can check. This is one of the it's the number two reason people come to your website. Readers come to your website is to see the status of an upcoming book. And My Book Progress for free allows you to very easily feature that on your sidebar or somewhere else on your website. And the best part is it integrates with MailChimp. So you can have a button that says sign up to get book updates. And you can say right now we're in you know, pr- book production. We're in the process of doing the typesetting. They click a button, they can get updates. And then when the book is finally ready for sale, you have a list of people ready to buy your book. It makes it a lot easier to launch your book. And you can find out more about that at mybookprogress.com. What was that, Thomas? Mybookprogress.com. I like it. Today's featured iTunes review comes from Rochelle Ray Cobb, and she says, The only dual-authored podcast I listen to, Novel Marketing Offers In-Depth, episodes on everything pertaining to marketing for novelists. I enjoy how I learn from episodes featuring topics I think I already have a handle on. For example, the episode about what makes a great author photo taught me photography photography tips I didn't know I needed. I recommend it to writers who are looking to hone specific aspects of of their marketing strategies. So if you would like to be like Rochelle Ray Cobb and have your name mentioned on Novel Marketing, all you need to do is leave a review with your name and book title and website if you'd like to do that. And it does not even have to be a positive review. We love hearing from you guys. You've been listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast with Thomas Umstead Jr. and James L. Rubart, giving you novel marketing ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing online, offline, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.